This is Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruit, you need the roots. Money Mindset. I think that sounds alright. Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruit, you need the roots. Thanks so much for joining us. This is season four of the podcast, so thanks so much again. And we are joined by Simon Popple, who is an expert in gold and commodities. So excited for him to join us today. Thanks so much, Simon, for joining us. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about commodities. So right, think about commodities might sound like a, a big scary word, but just think about, imagine having breakfast this morning. You might have had Weetabix on your morning breakfast. You might have had cornflakes or you might have had toast. You might have sat down to eat that breakfast on a wooden table. So the breakfast you're eating, that Weetabix, that cornflakes, or that toast, that is a commodity. That's a raw material. That is um, Earth's natural resources. So you sit down at the table and that is made out of wood. You might have eaten a cereal with your metal spoon and that is a commodity. You might travel to work in the morning and in your car, by, that car is made out of metal and steel and that is a commodity, and you might be putting petrol in it to drive that car to work. These are all commodities, and these are all really, really important, and they often get missed in the conversation around investing. So we've got Simon today, who's gonna talk about the importance of commodities and talking about investing. This is more of an advanced subject, so not necessarily for everyone, but it's super important to understand this on your investing journey. So Simon, thanks so much for joining us. So. Let's, let's talk about commodities and gold as well because that's your, your expertise. So why invest into commodities? Maybe talk about the benefits of having commodities as part of a, a, a diverse and overall portfolio. Well, I mean, I think the first thing to remember is you can't print them. And, you know, with all the money printing going on in the world, um, you know, as you rightly say, you know, you've got commodities for breakfast, you're using commodity to get to work. There's a lot of commodities at work. Um, and you can't print them, you know, um, if, you, if you don't have them, if you don't have that metal spoon, um, you don't have a metal spoon, you can't just go to your computer and, and uh, uh, just sort of create one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, for me, investing in tangible assets yeah. that you can't print, especially in today's world where everything seems to be printed, is, is incredibly important. Um, and I think that people forget how important commodities are to our daily lives. And um, very few people have any in their portfolio. Yeah. And um, you know, gold is uh, you know, tried and tested. It's been around for thousands of years. Uh, you can take a gold bar anywhere in the world and it's recognized as being valuable. And you, know, you can't do that with, uh, with everything. And so, um, Commodities for me are an absolutely essential part of, uh, of anyone's um, portfolio. Yeah, that's great to hear. One of the things that is really important for me, commodities have a different personality type than other different economical cycles and different asset classes, which that might be property, the roof over your head, that might be the pound coin in your back pocket, that might be businesses that you can buy on the stock exchange. These all move differently depending on the different stages of the economical cycle. And with commodities, they actually move even differently. So they have a different way of moving and they, they do better in different times. So this is why it's, it's we talk about in this podcast having a diverse portfolio and this is having different asset classes. And this is why commodities are, are so important. So that's really, that's great information. So maybe let's 
talk about actually what is a commodity. So maybe someone listening at home is thinking, we've talked about eating for breakfast, but actually let's maybe go more into it and kind of tell me more about the different types of commodities that you can actually put in your portfolio. What are the strengths and weaknesses of different different commodities? You mentioned gold. There's other other commodities that I, we talked about food, so eating your breakfast in the morning, fuel, getting to work, or if you go on holiday, that's air, the, the air, airplane that flies you there, That's that, you're using jet fuel for that. Or even precious metals like gold, for instance. And then also industrial needs as well. So let's maybe touch on each of those and maybe tell me what are your thoughts on each of those? Which ones do you like? Which ones do you do not like? And yeah, just maybe tell me more about commodities and, and, and et cetera. Okay, no, sure. I mean, I, I think one of the important things to remember is that, as I said earlier, you know, you can't print them. And you rightly say that all commodities have got a different role in life. Um, you know, gold is, if, 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 if I think if the world is um, having a particularly tough time, a lot of people go to gold. Uh, one of the big arguments against gold is it doesn't yield anything. Yeah. Um, but then if you look at putting money in the bank, you know, quite often you've got negative yields, so you actually get less out than you put in, or you've got a very low yield. And obviously with inflation eating away at that, um, a lot of the arguments for not holding gold in your portfolio have actually disappeared. Um, now, in terms of commodities that you like, um, I think there's a lot to be said for being well diversified, because no one knows what the future is going to bring. But if you are particularly keen on a certain area, for example, if you believe that electric vehicles uh, are, are the future, or you believe that nuclear power is the future, or um, that you know, clean tech is the future, then you know you can do some research and invest in commodities that are more used in those areas. Um, but I would I would suggest having a broad range of, of different commodities. Um, and you know, personally, I tend to focus on Australia and Canada okay. because I also like the FX um, diversification. Because uh, I actually put a lot of my money into UK real estate, so I'm massively exposed to both UK real estate and sterling. And so, by actually diversifying um, into other countries, uh, not only do I have the commodity diversification, but I also have the currency diversification. So, um, I. I've, you know, going back to your answer or your question, brother, I, I think you want to be in a broad range of commodities. No one knows what the future is going to bring, but if you've got um, a diverse portfolio, then um, you know whatever happens, uh, you should uh, you should have a few winners in that. That's a great point, and I totally agree with you. I think also it's a peace of mind thing as well. So this podcast is called Millennial Money Mindset, and it's coming back to mindset and how you think and feel and. Um, how your emotions are with your investing. So having a diverse portfolio, you actually reduce your stress and worry. So if you're all in on, say, property, or if you're going all in on the one stock, if you're buying one stock and that stock falls 20%, you're going to be stressed and worried about it. You're going to be out with your friends. You're going to be out for dinner with your partner. And you're going to be stressed and worried about, oh, what happens in the markets today? What happens in the market tomorrow? But if you've got a spread of different asset classes all working for in good times and bad times and it's going to reduce your stress and worry massively i remember i bought gold i was very bullish i was very um excited about gold before the financial crash in 2008 so i was i think i bought to 650 dollars um, an ounce and it kind of ramped up massively as people were getting worried and scared and what the good thing about gold is that people 
flock towards gold in in kind of bad times when people get stressed and when they think the market's going to crash they like to have something safe and secure they can hold and touch and look at and it's pretty but I do agree with you it doesn't yield anything so to have all your money in gold it's it's not necessarily going to be the best thing for everyone but it is a good hedge or it's a good one to have as a kind of a diverse portfolio so let's talk about kind of more about the different uh, investments for the future so it's interesting you mentioned um, batteries or you mentioned kind of electric cars electric vehicles and you talked about nuclear power as well so where do you see this having an impact on commodities so with nuclear power obviously you've got um, uranium is it you um, and with um, electric vehicles there they use lithium to kind of use these batteries so tell me more about what your thoughts on on that yeah no, I mean I, I think that um, you know, I particularly like mining companies, to be honest, because you yeah. know, they're exploring um, technology has improved significantly yeah. over the last few years. You know, we've got drones and things like that. And um, uh, it, even though the methods of extraction are largely the same, the methods of finding um, uh, commodities, uh, you know, have certainly improved. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just touching on your diversification point, I mean, I, I, I put people into a company called Chalice last year. Okay. Um, now, I really like Chalice for a number of reasons, but one of which was they had land around Fossil, which is the world's um, highest margin uh, gold mine. Yeah. Um, but they actually made a discovery in Junimar. Okay. And, you know, the shares went from, uh, I told people around 12 and a half, 15 cents. The shares went to over $9. Um, so, you know, over 50x return um but i think one of the important things in commodities is uh, having good ideas is part of it but there's a huge amount of psychology in it as well because when these when these stocks take off um or go down they get they can move dramatically yeah and you know you, you could have uh, if, if for example someone comes out with another way of powering electric vehicles that doesn't involve lithium yeah uh, and you all your money is in lithium you know look out below because those shares could to say they could tank is an understatement um, but if you're in lots of different commodities then you're you know chances are you're, you're well covered but um, I think also from an investment perspective you don't want to be too greedy uh, I mean my portfolio traveled last year which I was very happy about, but right. you know, if I had all my money in Chalice, it would have gone up over fifty times. Yeah, but you, you kind of you need to have a psychology of of being sensible um, because um, you know although things can go really well, they can go really badly as well. But if you're if you're well diversified across different areas, so you know electric vehicles, uh, nuclear power, clean tech, gold and silver, uh, and different countries as well, then um, Although some things won't work out, you've got greater chance that something will. And uh, providing that does happen, you know your your entire portfolio can go up significantly. And you know some of these stocks can go up 10, 15, 20, 50 times. You know some even more than that. But um, you need to sort of have a diverse portfolio to improve your chances of hitting commodities that that, that end up doing really well. So that's a great insight into what you do at Brokeville Capital. So maybe you said you started Brokeville Capital in 2008 and before that you were head of investment management at 
um, Stratton Parkers, and then he went on to become a director of Topland, one of the Europe's largest private investment companies. So you started a newsletter with Money Week called Metals and Miners. I'm a huge fan of Money Week. I'm a subscriber to Money Week. So yeah, um, massive honor for, you, for me to be speaking with you today because I'm a big fan of um, the work you guys do. And yeah, so tell me why you set up Brookville uh, up originally and talk about the moment where you decided to set this up. Was there, where were you and was there contributing factors? And maybe just tell us more about what you do at uh, Brookville Capital and how you help people. No, sure. Well, I mean, I, 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 before I worked at Strauss, I used to work in the city doing M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions, corporate finance. Um, and then I was in property and I, um, I like property a lot, you know, there was some good, very good money to be made there, but I was sort of conscious that um, uh, you know what goes up has to come down. And yeah. um, I must say, I got out of property in two thousand eight, so I was a little bit early, to put it mildly. Yeah. But um, I was really looking for the next, um, for one better term, big thing. Yeah. And you know, that drew me towards commodities, and uh, I did a lot of research and, and um, sort of met a lot of people involved in the sector. And you know, liked it a lot. Thought, thought it was very undervalued, yeah. and um, so I started making some investments. They worked out very well. So Money Week asked me to do metals and miners for them, um, and then when they um, were sold, um, Agora owns used to own Money Week. So when they were sold, they asked me to do Gold Speculator with local chimney cards, and um, then. Agora UK got closed down a couple of years ago and I wanted to do my own newsletter but I didn't want it to be just about gold and silver I wanted it to to be sort of other commodities as well so rather than call it metals and miners or gold speculator I called it the Brookville Capital Intelligence Report and you know the idea is that, that we cover a really broad range of commodities and um, uh, you know I'm very lucky i I do a lot with Minds and Money and various other conferences, so I have a lot of people approaching me with ideas. Uh, some I like, some I don't like, but um, the ones I like, I can do some research and um, you know write them up for subscribers. Ah, fantastic! And was there a single moment where you were thought, right, I'm going to set this up myself, or was that just was there? What was the? I'm kind of thinking of like a visual picture for the audience. Is there any any moment like that, or? Maybe not, maybe it was just a recurring, maybe you just decided to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, someone pointed out the returns that you could have got in the last boom in the 70s. And um, obviously it's isolated, but there were some companies that went up 50, 60, 70. I think one went up over 100 times. And um, obviously they need some phenomenal results to, to get anything like those returns. But in today's world, where so many assets are more like at the top of the cycle rather than the bottom of the cycle. Um, I like the idea of investing in an area which has got a future. And um, as I say, you know, no one knows what the future is, but by having a broad range of investments, um, then, you know, I, I think that it can reduce your stress levels. So if, if something does happen with a certain commodity, um, then you know, providing you don't have all your eggs in that basket, which which you wouldn't in terms of you know what I do. Yeah. Um, then you know you can you can just enjoy the ride, and you, you you're not sort of um, uh, sort of going crazy when uh, you know when something doesn't 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 work out. 
So we can't talk about commodities without talking about demand and supply. So this is the fundamentals. So I used to work as, I used to trade gas, I used to buy and sell natural gas. So if you think about when, if you had a shower this morning, that might have been heated by natural gas. Or if you turn the cooker on at cooking your evening meal, that's natural gas. Most of it comes from North Sea. And it's so supply and demand driven. So I used to have eight screens around me, kind of working 12 hour days. And the main thing that we, the main factor you need to understand was demand supply. I used to have a, our head of trading used to come in and say, Neil, supply and demand, supply and demand, supply and demand. That's all you had to work. All the, of all these kind of screens around me, the one single factor was the supply and the, the demand. And we had, were we long? So did we, was there more gas in the system? And then if it was long, then the price would go down. Was the system short of gas? So was there not enough gas to supply the demand? And then the price would generally go up. Obviously, things would happen. Gas, um, high demand, it was wet, and it was very weather dependent as well. So if it's cold, the price was much more likely to go up because more people were likely to turn on their heat, their heating at home. So maybe let's just talk about the supply and demand and kind of let's drill down into the factors you look at with the mines you look at or the companies you look at and kind of what we're going to give maybe, yeah, talk about maybe demand supply and kind of talk more about that, mate. No, sure. Well, I mean, um, demand tends to be very much led by price. Mm. And uh, rather bizarrely, when the price of um, gold or silver or uh, commodity goes up, um, you tend to have quite a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. So they actually probably jump on the bandwagon at, at probably the worst possible time um, because they, uh, they, they they jump on it when the price is higher rather than lower. Um, and I think there's, there's also a lot of... Um, Know, common sense and research required into you know looking at the market and i'll give you quite a good example um you know zero carbon um in the uk i know they're looking to uh to get zero carbon um heating systems yeah um which i completely applaud i mean you know that is great but um to change from gas to hydrogen would mean digging up every road um, putting in a hydrogen pipe, I'm not even sure that transporting hydrogen is safe, um, and then replacing the gas boiler in everyone's house with a hydrogen boiler. Um, now, uh, that isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, I'm just saying it's not going to happen overnight. So I think that when sort of things come out and when things are announced, you need to have a good common sense look at things and think, okay, well, now, I actually phoned up uh, one of the world's largest boilermakers off the back of an announcement a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, do you have a hydrogen boiler? And they said, well, no, we don't. And we, um, you know, we've got no plans to do one. And so you kind of, you, you hear what's in the media, you hear what the politicians are saying, but just some basic research uh, would indicate that, um, could it happen? Of course it could happen. But um, is it likely to happen soon? I think it's unlikely. And therefore, um, if if, if if you are looking at the market and that announcement has trashed natural gas companies, um, I'd be inclined to 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 buy in at that level because I think that anything that's going to happen to them is unlikely to happen in the next five or ten years. It could happen thereafter. But I, I think I think you need to really just have common sense about what's going on in the market. Um, you know, likewise, you know. Uranium. I mean, um, if, if you look at Chernobyl or Fukushima, yeah. um, you could probably think, I never want to you know, invest in uranium ever. 
Yeah, but Germany did a well. Germany sold, turned off their nuclear powers after the um, the earthquake in Fukushima, which caused the nuclear powers to nuclear power stations in Japan to basically break down and almost cause a huge tragedy. So after the back of that, Germany did a massive statement and saying, "Yeah, we're not going to use nuclear power ever again." Essentially, and and. It, for the for the long term, that's maybe a good idea. But then they move more into coal and also natural gas, which is obviously a bad thing for the environment. So the environment is a huge, um, important issue at the moment and and for the future. We're, we've got a podcast with we're talking all about the environment with um, pensions for uh, purpose. So check that out if you want to know more about the environment. But yeah, it's a super important topic. But before we're going to talk about inflation as well in the next podcast with Simon. So stick around for that. But before before we go, Simon, just how would um, someone find you if they wanted to contact you, and any any um, books you'd recommend, or any any quotes, or anything funny you've had, or anyone you've you you follow on social media? No, sure. Well, um, first of all, um, to find me, just go to www.brookbillcapital.com. That's my website, and you can find out more about me. You can contact me. We can have a call if it's an area that's of interest to you. Um, in terms of books, there's a book called The Psychology of Money, okay. which I recently read, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, I haven't got it with me because I lent it to my father, who's lent it to, to my nephew, who's yeah. my grandson. Um, but it's a great book because um, what I do, as well as giving people ideas as to where they can invest, um, the psychology of it is, is incredibly important. So um, that's... Um, um, that's great. Well, I haven't read it. I haven't, I've heard everywhere I go, I kind of it seems to follow me around me. The, the publisher is Harmonman House, and I actually pitched for them um, with my book Millennial Money Mindset, and that well, they went with uh, the psychology of money, and it's gone on. To, yeah, it's doing massively well. So it's. But I haven't. I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've kind of put off reading it's a, it because it's a good read. It's a good read. <laughs> I, I love reading. I love books, but um, yes. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot about that one, so I will have to check that one out. But uh, yeah, also, yeah, if you like mindset, if you like psychology, my book, Millennial Money Mindset, is, is also available. And talking about the environment, we plant a tree for each book bought. So yeah, check check that one out. But Simon, thank you so much for joining us. We're going we're gonna to speak again um, very shortly about inflation, which is super, super important at the moment. So if you're worried about the spending power in your back pocket, if you're worried about making your money work as hard as you, then this is a podcast to check out we're going to take um, Simon's expertise and show you actually how to make your money work harder using commodities using gold and using having a diverse portfolio so Simon thanks so much for joining us this has been millennial money mindset if you want the fruits you need the roots please like please subscribe and please tell a friend about this podcast if you want to get more stress out of your life more money into your pocket and more time into your day then there's three ways to do that you can read the book millennial money mindset you can do our online course it's available on udemy learning platform and you can learn it you can find out by going to football formation asset allocation or you can do join us for a one-to-one session where we will give you money coaching so please like please subscribe and please tell a friend about this show money mindset i think that sounds all right